The iPhone 15 launch wasn't as smooth as anyone hoped it would be. Reports of setup problems, overheating, and broken phones filled the internet. And then there's the talk about fine woven. We're covering all the iPhone 15 issues in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Stick around. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. The iPhone 15 started shipping, and along with it, there were reports of problems from setups being stuck to overheating and bent phones, so we thought we should address those concerns on today's show. It hasn't even been two weeks yet, and it feels like this phone's been out for about six months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There is like endless wall-to-wall, I mean, I know we cover it because we're mackerel, but it is like, it's everywhere, everywhere I look. News service, uh, website, Twitter, whatever I'm looking at, it's all iPhone 15. It's just constant. But that's also your, you know. What are you saying, Jason? It, I'm <laughs> your perspective, your world. Yeah, I'm just saying that like the people that you follow and, and what gets fed to you because of the things you read about, you probably get fed a lot more of this. Like I'm sure my dad's not seeing wall-to-wall iPhone 15 coverage when he opens Google News and all that stuff. My mom's excited. She just upgraded her phone. She had a 10R. That's a big one. 10R to 15 is huge. Sidebar. You want to talk big upgrades. Uh, our uh, old colleague, Melissa Riafrio, has been rocking an iPhone 10 X. <laughs> Not XS, XR, anything. iPhone 10. She She was very excited to wait to upgrade to the 15 and got her 15. And it sat in a box for like a week because <laughs> she didn't – like, I don't have time to update to take it up yeah. or whatever, which was not true. I remember when she got that 10, and I think it was in – I think it was in 2017. It was like in 2018 or something or, or 19. It, was, it wasn't maybe, – maybe one year. But I know it wasn't the newest one when she got it. She's not really the kind of person who cares about the latest stuff – She's extremely knowledgeable about everything that's out, but she just never cared for herself to really, even laptops, like she just doesn't care. <laughs> but it just, that that ancient a phone, never had the battery replaced anything. I'm like, oh, you are in for an upgrade. <laughs> You're in for a big, big difference in everything. Uh, with my review units, did run into the bug where, the setup bug, which was if you were trying to transfer all your stuff from a previous iPhone, not from an iCloud backup, but like the direct transfer from an iPhone, which I I always recommend as the best way to do it because you get everything. You get all your encrypted health data and like your passwords on all your apps and your settings and every like it is the most complete, easiest way to transfer and set up your new iPhone, but it gets stuck and doesn't ever actually get the transfer going. It's kind of always waiting to start the transfer. The Your new iPhone 15 was supposed to, during setup, before it gets to that point, go, oh, there's a 17.0.2 out, download that, and then, and then get started. But mine never did, and some people's never were. I had just before release review units. So I was like, well, shoot, I uh, plug it into my Mac and <laughs> download that way and stuff. So yeah, that was one little snafu that's that's crept up. And still today, if you buy 
I mean, that's what it's going to come with in a box. It's going to come with iOS 7, a, a version of iOS 17, and it needs an update in order for that to complete properly. And it should prompt you. And I've, for what I've been seeing, mo- for most people, it's prompting them. Uh, but it, it may not. And, and you may need to like plug it into a Mac or a PC if with iTunes and say, look for update, get your update that way. Do we know if people who buy the phone in the Apple store, if like Apple kind of preempts it and says, let me do this for you before you leave the store. And it, it depends on how busy they are. Um, but yeah, they, they will do all that stuff for you. If you know, like on launch day, it's pretty slammed. Um, but they'll absolutely, they'll, they'll walk you through it. They'll make sure you, it's, you know, the iCloud backup or the restore has started. They'll always help you set it up. If you ask I, these days, it's iPhone's been around so long and all this other stuff that, and the setup process and transfer process has gotten a lot simpler and cleaner. So, so for the most part, I think people just want to get their phone and get out. <laughs> I was just wondering if Apple was being more pr- proactive in this case, because it's a, I guess, a special uh, situation. Yeah, but it takes some time to open up every iPhone, plug it into a Mac. You don't have to set it up to, in order to update the firmware, but you need to like hit trust this Mac and then type in the code and then hit find and then it's got to download the firmware and apply it and restart. And it's it's a little bit of a process. So um, this is the first time as far as I know that they've – so during the setup process, at least on my phone – Mm-hmm. That little screen popped up. It said, "Hey, you have an update. Before you continue, you should install it." Last year, the same thing happened. There was an iPhone 14 update on day one, and it didn't do that. And people were having all sorts of problems because, like, the versions of the OS had to match up with the previous version of the OS, and there were so there were issues with with restoring. So that was that's something that Apple's changed this year. Not quite this year. That feature has been around for a while, but it it has always been a little iffy. It kind of depends on whether it's been activated on your carrier yet or whatever. But it's you've it's had the ability and has apparently done. Like if you'll see this a lot if you buy an iPhone months after it's brand new, you'll and and you take it out of the box during setup, it'll go like, oh, there's a there's an iOS update, and and it'll prompt you right away. But it's those are very first days. It can be a little flaky. So there was the setup problems, and then once you were all set up and been using the phone, there were reports of people who experienced iPhone 15s that got a little bit on the hot side. This seemed to be specific to the Pro models, and we talked about it uh, last week when we talked about the reviews. And this is this is a perfect example of one of those things where it is almost impossible to tell what's a problem and what isn't from people's accounts online because everything can go viral now. So if 0.001% of the million and a half people who got an iPhone on the first day have a problem, but they make a video or a post or, you know, whatever and, and post it online, it can look like it's widespread or it can be widespread and you just really don't know. Like uh, in in my testing, I didn't have any big overheating during use. It did get pretty hot when charging, but that's not entirely unusual. But apparently, this is a problem enough that Apple has addressed it and said, and well, even acknowledged it in in the most Apple way possible, without <laughs> never actually saying a problem, but saying they're going to fix it. Like <laughs> at the same time, I, I have the the fourteen fifteen Pro Max. I have had zero issues 
with overheating. And I've done video streaming. I've done benchmarking. So it's definitely not all devices, but there there's enough cases where, as Jason said, Apple has responded. So they, they blame it on three things. One is getting a new phone, backups, restoring all the things that it has to do while it's going through that process, mm-hmm. tends to tax the processor. So that, that could cause um, overheating. Number two is a bunch of apps, including Instagram and Uber, and uh, based on just anecdotal responses, many others, um, something with the iOS system, however that those things work together, was hitting the processor more than it should, causing it to causing the CPU to 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 overheat to work too hard when running certain apps in both in the foreground and the background. And so, if you were running those apps uh, again, Instagram, Uber were two of the biggest offenders from what people were saying and what Apple. Um, has reportedly worked with. In fact, it was an Uber update just this morning. So they're, yeah. they're working with these app developers to fix that. And the third thing is an iOS 7 update that's coming at some point soon, maybe 17.1. 17. Yeah. Uh, what what I say? iOS 7. 7. <laughs> been, a lo- been a while. <laughs> Apple Maps is brand new. <laughs> An iOS yeah. 17 update, uh, maybe maybe point one was just started beta testing last week, or point oh point three. However, they want to address it. A combination of those three things is what they've pinpointed as the problem. Reading between the lines, it feels like there's a framework or something that's been updated in iOS 17 that certain apps call a certain way, something like a location framework or something like that, uh, or, or an ad ID framework or something. And, and it's coming, it's kind of get probably runaway polling where it's getting pulled like a gajillion times or it's hitting, trying to get your location by hitting cellular towers a lot. And it's lighting up the cellular radio constantly, that kind of thing. I, I'm making up those excuses because we don't know the actual, what the problem is, but it seems like that's why it's both an app problem and an iOS problem. And they're kind of hitting it from both ends. Originally. Several people, mainly uh, Ming-Chi Kuo started this, blamed the processor and said that it was a result of um, the way it was designed, the way it was working, whatever it is, and that Apple was going to have to kind of dial back that performance in order to keep the processor from getting too hot. And it seems as though that's not the case. Apple has all but said, hey, the processor is fine. The titanium is fine. The internal design is fine. It's not a hardware issue. It's... So we'll see going forward, but yeah, one of the theories floated I actually kind of liked as an explanation, but Apple seems to suggest it's not true. Was that the reason it's kind of you're seeing it sporadic and and different things is that there are essentially two different internal designs for the iPhone 15 Pro this year, where there wasn't last year. In the U.S., we get eSIM only. There's no SIM tray, but the foreign versions have a SIM tray. Now last year. It was one internal design and there was basically like a plastic spacer inside. There was no shelf to, to take out, but on the inside, there was basically a plastic spacer where the SIM thing goes. And that's not there this year. This year, it's that's filled differently. That arrangement where you have an actual SIM tray and a slightly different inside design, that inside design for the international versions that required the SIM tray, were not allowing heat to dissipate in the right way or or heat contact the the body and or something you know uh and that seemed to make a certain amount of sense 
then more reports started coming in of you know people with the US versions that were still running into the what they thought was too much heat for too many things and stuff. And then Apple came out and said, no, it's not the design. It's not the titanium. It's not the whatever. We kind of assumed they would say that because if it was, that's a massive issue and recalls and all that other stuff. I can't. For them to say ahead of time that they will not reduce the performance of the processor seems to suggest that like, no, this is not a, this is not an issue of our design's bad and we're just going to have to run the processor a little slower. And so it doesn't use that much power. It, it sounds like it's something. If we don't do it, someone's going to be testing Geekbench every single iOS update to make sure the processor performance is the same. <laughs> if it goes down by two points, they'll they'll we'll know about it. It's going to be a little tricky for us to test and report on because, like you said, you've got a Pro Max. I have a Pro and a Pro Max, and none of our three – Pro phones have exhibited this overheating issue. So we're, it's going to be hard for me to go like, yeah, I just downloaded the latest beta and it's fixed it. Like, cause, cause I'm not one of these people running into the problems. And there's millions of customers out there and they're not all having these problems. For every Reddit thread you see of somebody going like, wow, I, I got a, I had a phone call and it was like really hot to the touch. It, you'll see 10 replies of people going like, I just was on the phone for half an hour. It's fine. All that speaks to the fact that it very well is an update issue, whether it's app related or iOS 17 related, that it's sporadic enough where if it was a design issue, it would be way, way, way more widespread because no matter what you were doing, it would it would cause issues. It does sort of go to show just how complicated these things have gotten where just thermal management performance and charging and battery performance and all this other stuff, how much they're dependent on a very complex web of software, yeah. firmware for controllers and and software and low-level OS things and application accessing frameworks and stuff. Like it's it's complicated. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of moving parts. The iPhone is like it says it's more powerful than laptops from just a few years ago. I mean, we're talking about a serious chip that needs to be cooled. It's crazy. And you can't just throw a fan in there. <laughs> so there's a lot of engineering that has to be done on the software side and the hardware side to make these things run and Apple's selling 200 million of them a year. So, it's it's a huge undertaking to make sure that these things are problem free. As Roman said when he started the show, it does it might seem like the iPhone 15 is a disaster, but all of these problems get amplified because it's Apple and because it's the iPhone and because everyone's talking about it. Everyone retweets and reposts and shares it, and then it becomes a huge problem. And, you know, it's probably 1%, maybe probably a lot less than that, to be honest. The flip side of that is something like Bendgate 2, Backgate, whatever you want to call it, where Jerry Rig Everything, which is an excellent YouTube channel. He does a lot of durability testing for new phones where he takes scrapers of different bows hardness and scrapes different parts and finds out how easily they scratch and he bends things and he takes them apart, basically destroys a phone live for you on camera really early, like really early on. Uh, and he's gotten quite good at, at testing these things out and he's going through his iPhone 15 thing and it's pretty much going as expected. We know what the what Apple's glass is like, and we know that titanium's softer than steel, so 
scratches and if you get like the blue version and you get a gouge in it, it's silver underneath. You know, we, we, we expected these things. It's turning out like normal. And then he goes to the part where he tries to bend the phone and he puts a whole, his thumbs in the middle of the back and puts a whole lot of pressure on it. Usually an iPhone doesn't budge. This one almost instantly, the back glass just spider webbed completely, just completely shattered. And he, and he, immediately he goes like, well, I did not expect that to happen. Like right away too. So everyone thought, oh, this is a problem because it's a solid channel and he's doing it live on video unedited, like for you all to to see it happening. But other users haven't been complaining about that. And then Consumer Reports came out and they actually tested it with one of those machines that literally puts a, a specific amount of pressure on the thing. They they'd use this to stress test phones a lot, put the ends of the phone on a thing. And then at several points along the back, they put a thousand pounds of pressure and it didn't budge. It like flexes ever so slightly and then comes back, right? Like a millimeter or two, which is the normal behavior. In their empirical testing, they were not able to, to show any sort of fragility compared to previous iPhones. That's one of those cases where an early tester ran into a problem and made it look like, wow, maybe this is a problem for everything, but it was probably just his <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> you know? Something happened in his earlier testing when he was dropping it and tossing it and burning it and whatever else he was doing that compromised something that he didn't realize had happened. Typically, it doesn't because that's what he's done on all the previous iPhones and they didn't break like that. But you know, it's if you're thinking like, well, geez, I'm just going to I'm going to have it in my back pocket and I'm going to sit down and the whole thing's going to shatter. Well, that doesn't appear to be the case. And it's not because the jerry rig everything was, you know, testing wrong or anything like that. I mean, you can sit there and watch him live, do what he does, see what happens. It's just that it, everything doesn't happen the same way. And there are outliers sometimes and you just don't know what's a strange outlier and what's a systemic problem. And so this is a case of the other way around where. <laughs> Some good empirical testing made something look like a systemic problem, and maybe it's not. I don't. It doesn't seem to be that it is. It's like the opposite of the heat problem. <laughs> Mike W nine two four said on X, "How is this remotely good enough in a product costing over a thousand pounds? Just shoddy." What, what was that in response to? In response to the overheating and the other stuff that's happening. This isn't an instance where Apple's cheaping out on parts. Apple doesn't do that. Or, you know, they took shortcuts with construction and production. They, they don't do that. Or testing, their own testing. Yeah. I think this is what you should expect when a new Apple releases a new phone and a new iOS. Any piece of technology. It's never going to be 100% perfect. If when I buy a $1,000 device, I expect customer service to be there. Rather, I mean, yes, I, I understand that it should be built perfectly. It's not always going to happen. What I want to make sure is that when I have a problem with it, the company that I bought it from is going to fix it, respond to the problem, yeah. and make sure that I'm satisfied. And that appears to be what's happening. There are reports on Twitter that people have gone to the Apple Store and switched out their device, and Apple's done that as well. So Apple is responding. They're not just saying you know, this isn't our problem. Go, go talk to Instagram. You know, they, they're, they're dealing with it. So hopefully within a month, three weeks, whenever the next update comes and all these other apps are updated and everything is 
kind of settled with iOS 17 that this is going to be an issue that isn't one that lasts. It, it's it's certainly not the first time we've had launch week, launch month issues with um, big giant iPhone launches. You know, to their point, how is this how is this acceptable in a thousand dollar phone? It's not, and I don't think Apple thinks it is either. Uh, and I think there's probably fire like four alarm fire at, at Apple where they're like, this is. This is not just a couple isolated instances and we got to get on top of this. And I, I don't envy them the issue of that they need to start manufacturing these things in like July <laughs> and loading software on them and putting them in boxes. Like that's, that's rough. Um, but if you think, uh, these kind of problems are not acceptable in a, a phone that costs over a thousand pounds, do not buy a folding phone. <laughs> <laughs> because they cost more and have way more problems than this. Stephen Owen on Facebook, he posted, I always get a giggle at the people who panic to get the new model when it comes out, regardless of the phone brand. There's always kinks and bugs to work out. And it always pays to wait a couple of months to get the new model. Yeah, there's a whole school of thought that says – you know, don't be an early adopter. That's fine. I mean, or if you are one, yeah, understand that it might not be perfect yet. Apple's, Samsung, Google, whoever they are, they ship the product that they think is the best product to ship. It's, it's you know, there are issues. Pixel has plenty of issues. The Galaxy phones have plenty of issues. They're all should be ironed out within due time. And if it's a major issue, then there'll be a recall and all that other stuff. But yeah. There are a lot of people out there that say, no, well, if that, I'm not buying the new iPhone for a month or I'm not buying the first generation of anything. I'm going to wait until the second generation until the because it'll be better and it'll be smoother and cleaner and you know work better and all that other stuff. And that you have to wait. That's the and that's fine. The Go ahead. You know? yeah. yeah. If you yeah. want to wait, There's if that's you, that. that's no wrong with that. I mean, we were talking last month about how like. Even if you don't want to wait, I don't understand why people are lining up at the Apple store on opening day. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, there's something to be said for, hey, I'm in no rush. They're not going away. It's not like if I don't get it now, I'm not going to be able to get one in a month. That's it's not they're not concert tickets or something. Just, you know, wait. Yeah, if you want to wait, wait. It's cool. And but uh, that said, someone has to buy it <laughs> or else the same problems are going to be there next month. So, you know, early adopters do serve a purpose for all these companies. People need to, they need to test it on a wide scale because a lot of times these problems don't, don't show up in quality contesting and quality control testing, all that other stuff. So a lot of people, when they bought a new iPhone 15, they also bought one of Apple's new fine woven cases. So for people who may not know, fine woven is Apple's uh, new material that they're using to replace leather. They are no longer making leather iPhone cases. Uh, so they're using this fine woven material. And there have been a lot of uh, posts online about questioning the quality of the material. Jason has some firsthand experience with it because he has a couple of cases. I have the cases and I have the wallet straight out of the box. It it feels pretty good. It reminds me of that synthetic material called Alcantara that they've put on a couple of service laptops. It's in a lot of high end cars and stuff. It's it's slightly fuzzy on almost suede like feel to it. 
kind of soft and has a very matte look. And iFixit has a really great article uh, diving into it where they look at it under like a microscope and you can see how it's a bunch of tightly woven micro threads, you know, uh, like it's almost like uh, having a microfiber cloth that instead of being fuzzy is like woven into a, a checkerboard weave. Outside of the touch of the material, the rest of the kit, I mean, it's built on plastic, right? Feels kind of cheap. You'll see a lot of posts about people who have like kind of misaligned cases slightly, like the port doesn't quite, the hole doesn't quite line up and then their USB cable doesn't fit in well. The edges of like the fine woven wallet get very easily kind of marred up and stuff. But then the real issue is that if anything hard presses into this thing, it it disturbs the weave and leaves a mark. So it's like it leaves like a I don't want to call it a gouge, but like a line like into the thing. And not in the way that it does with with leather, where it, it buffs out and over time you get a patina and stuff like that. It's like these lines get carved into it. Like I put one in my pocket with keys all day just to see, and the keys leave left all these like lines. And they you can't get them out. You can't buff them out. You can't rub them out. They're they're just there forever. So you can get this case that they're charging $60 for, like the old leather pricing. And within days, it just looks terrible. It feels like, well, this should be a $30 case at most. Like even with Apple pricing, this is like a $30 case, maybe. The idea that they're pricing it the same as their leather cases kind of implies that it's supposed to be the same quality as yeah. leather. Yes. And it's nowhere. it doesn't seem like it's nowhere near that. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't lower the price to something. Fifth forty nine, the same as the silicon case, maybe. I don't think there would be as many people complaining if they didn't position it as a real premium leather case or leather style case. It's funny because there are synthetic leather materials that are used in a lot of things now, including a lot of cars and stuff like that, that look and feel pretty good, pretty much like leather. And they could have used the, to, and just say, call it vegan leather, like all the automakers and stuff do, where it's it's not leather in any sense of the word, but it's, you know, they didn't choose to do that. They wanted to go with something else that they could, in very Apple fashion, attach a, a new brand name to. It feels like it was more, Apple saw it more as a branding opportunity than as a means to replace a material that in order to become more eco-friendly. Like both. Like we're going to – we want to do this thing. Well, how can we take that opportunity to do an Apple-only kind of thing and give yeah. it a brand and give it a this and, and make it into some premium thing? And it's just not – that's not a premium experience at all. I would steer clear of all the fine woven stuff. I think the silicone cases are fine. I've used them in the past. They seem to be pretty much what they've always been. If you really want leather, there are third-party case makers that are doing leather. But there's yeah. also uh, a watch band or two that they've replaced the material with fine woven in. And I would be wary of those as well. If you do decide to go with a third-party case, there's one thing you need to look out for. It is you need to look out for how the case handles the action button. Yeah, if you have a pro. A lot of third-party Case manufacturers are using a cutout or leaving the cutout from their previous case because uh, it used to action button was 
replaces the switch, the mute switch that was there. But there are some situations where the case is a little thicker and could make it more difficult to push the action button. You'll, you'll have to really dig in there to get to it. Case manufacturers, they don't get specs or hardware before they make their cases. They're running off of rumors and speculation and inside information and, and stuff like that. Um, they're running on unofficial information to create their cases. And sometimes things happen where the case doesn't fit precisely or uh, doesn't fit very well. So There's a million case makers out there and there's literally nothing stopping anyone from making an iPhone case. You don't have to like apply to a program for Apple. But it seems like there may be a few sort of longtime premium case makers and stuff who make a lot of cases that you see in the Apple stores and stuff that maybe get sort of the external dimension sort of CAD stuff from Apple so that they can make cases that fit. Because you got to be pretty precise or your phone moves around in there or you can't squeeze it in there, you know, without damaging your phone. It seems like maybe some of them get get some info. But they still never get things like the name of the phone. So you always, for the first couple months, every phone case has a sticker on the box that says like iPhone 2023 6.7 inch, like as the name, because they don't know what it's going to be called. It's unclear exactly how case makers make their cases. Certainly, we see leaks, uh, usually a couple of weeks before the release, somebody gets like a CAD file of the iPhone exterior leak to them. And then they make a render from that CAD. And you see all these social media posts about like the uh, camera protrudes 0.3 millimeters deeper. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you freak out, you know, but those are the sorts of tolerances that a case maker does need to be aware of. And it's not clear if those are like official CAD things. And that's what case makers get and are going off of. Or if those come from a case maker who's get, who's guessing based on all the rumors and stuff that they know, and they created that, and it's not official in any way. We really kind of don't know how any of that works. Yeah, I've, I've never seen a report from a case maker that said, yeah, we've got the, the spec from Apple directly. But you know they're forbidden from talking about it. Of course, of course. So. I've only ever read people saying, yeah, we're basically going off the same rumors that you guys have. And we're hoping that it's accurate. And I think that in the case of the action button, that it kind of lends credence to that in the sense that had Apple shared any of this with anybody, somebody would have got it right. And there's not many of them. A lot of them have – it's not just the, the Peak Design one who – so they they, sh they shipped out a button to people who had bought one. There's a lot of cases with, with just holes like it was before because they weren't sure. And if you had a button and there's no button – then you look like 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 now you like if there's a hole you can kind of say well you're supposed to just kind of you know rig your finger in there somehow yeah, yeah. so it, it kind of lends itself to believe that there's not any kind of company or, or department at Apple that works with these cases case makers ahead mm -hmm. of time and you know you can argue either way like they should because you know these are the people that are are making products for the iPhone, but also like, why do they care? Because they make their own cases. So you can make yeah. the point either way. I do know that Samsung and Google and other Android phones to the Wi-Fi network. Jeez. You might want to check the connection settings in the Google Home app. Hold on. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I said. Um, sure. Here's some uh, music pick just 
Please. <laughs> um, as I was saying, other Android companies, Samsung, Google, uh, when they do work with case makers ahead of time, like I've, I've, speak, I've, I've spoken with, with PR companies and things, and they do work with them closely. But Apple is just way more secretive than even other, other phone makers, yeah. although we know everything about the phone before it comes in anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But for thi- and and for things like a pixel and stuff like that, Google will often leak like a image kind of here's what it looks like. They'll tease it out before it's like officially announced and available for order. You know, that's probably because that's around the time they start working with the case makers and stuff. They're just getting ahead of unofficial leaks. And then you get the details with the specs and the features and all that other stuff later at an announcement and stuff. I can can you imagine Apple doing that? Can you imagine Apple just like Posting an image of the iPhone 16's like whole camera array or the side button or something, right. some close up of that on social media, just being like, stay tuned next month. Like, no, God, they would never. That does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 858. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast in the podcast app, on Spotify, or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com, or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, on threads, that's at Macworld underscore HQ, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time. <laughs>